Hey guys, welcome to Home Church Scotland. I'm Pastor Dave and welcome to our weekly podcast. Guys, if you're encouraged by what you hear today, why not check out our social medias? Just search for Home Church Scotland. Or why not subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our services are live and in full for you to enjoy at your listening pleasure. It's good, man. It's good. We're in the book of Mark today. We're back in the book of uh, Mark. We're going to be in chapter 12 and reading from verse 41. Um, it's always a privilege to get scripture open. If you're, if you're new with us today, uh, what we try and do at home church generally is just preach through books of the Bible uh, so that we're getting a real understanding of context and what's going on. I've been on Mark for about two and a bit years, I think. Uh, I think this is message... I think it's message 54 or something like that on, on Mark. And there's 24 to go. Uh, but obviously it's taken longer because we have breaks for baptisms and conferences and, and Pastor Mike speaks and different things. But we're back in Mark today. Um, and we're talking today about giving. And what's really, really interesting is how God always like sets things up at the right time. See, when you decide like what in this case was Mark two years ago that we were going to be just be going through Mark bit at a time. And uh, it happens to be we're discussing the topic of giving just before we're going to be talking about going for a big expensive building. It's just funny how God does these things. Like you, a lot of it, you just couldn't plan it. And that's why I love doing it like this because it means when stuff comes up, people aren't going, he's only saying that because. It's actually, but we're going to be talking about this anyway. Uh, so I love that stuff. Um, that said, I hate talking about it. I remember once somebody said, he always talks about giving, and I was like, what? Because if you know me, you know I talk about it about once a year. So this is the one for 2023, uh, right? And, uh, and uh, not, not to be spoken of again, or who knows, it depends what God does, doesn't it? Anyway, right, I'm going to read it. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of, out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, we in Scotland don't like talking about cash all that much, but the Bible's not scared about it. More than half of Jesus' parables deal with finance. The scriptures have got 500 verses on prayer. They've got less than 500 on the topic of faith, and they've got around 2,000 on the topic of finance and money. Even as we've been going through the book of Mark, we're in chapter 12 today. If we were just to look over like the last uh, couple of pages of our Bibles, we see in Mark chapter 10, there's talk about a rich uh, young ruler. Uh, in uh, chapter 11, Jesus is dealing with money changers in the temple. And in uh, chapter 12 already, we've been dealing with taxes and paying taxes to Caesar and what it means to do that. And here we've got a text about offerings. And our offerings are actually crazy important. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 21, that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. How we deal with our finances, our relationship with money and giving has a, 
a, a massive significance on our relationship with God and who we are as Christians. See, we need to understand as Christians that we don't actually own anything. Everything we have has been given to us by God and it's our job to steward it properly. It doesn't actually belong to us. And one of the best telltale signs of whether or not we've truly surrendered our lives to Jesus is whether we've surrendered our finances to Jesus. Because it's one of the hardest things to surrender. A lot of the other stuff is easier. I've learned in a long time as a Christian that uh, giving actually isn't a negative thing. It's a brilliant thing. I actually love it. For me, it's a privilege to give. It's a privilege to invest our resources in the purposes of eternity. As we invest, we're literally making a difference in the, in the eternal lives of, of, of other people. So I pray for us this morning that as we go through this verse that we would be challenged. I pray that for those who have little, we would be challenged to simply give what we have. And for those of us who have a lot, I pray we would be challenged to respond to the call of God in our lives for our giving to be sacrificial and not just surplus giving. I know we've not been in Mark for a couple of weeks. I'm going to give a little bit of background. And for those who have not been with us in the journey, we're so blessed at Home Church to have new people every week. So I want to give a little bit uh, of a background. Jesus preceded this message with a warning to a crowd of people that the Bible says were listening to him gladly. He gives a warning against the scribes, against basically the, the religious leaders. And uh, his warning is against religious hypocrisy. He warns the crowd, well, let me read it, verse 38, it says, In his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So these scribes, they just love to look good. They put on the right gear, the right drip, as it gets called today, and they're stalling about, and they, and they just love people thinking they look good. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking good. I've dropped three and a half stone to look this good, right? And thank you very much. Right? I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with looking good. But if your life is about looking good, then you've got a problem. If the, if the looking good is more important than the relationship with God, then you've got a problem. If your whole focus is on what you look like today, what you're going to wear, what clothes, all of that stuff, we've just got our eyes in the wrong place. But these, these guys, they walked about like, check me out. Hello, ladies. You know what I mean? They, they just totally, they loved it. And it was, their, it was their idol. Back then, there was no like, there was no celebrities really either. It was no TV or radio or nothing that anyone can get particularly famous from. The famous guys were the religious leaders, the guys that everyone like looked up to, the ones with all the money, the ones with the big houses and all, all, all of this stuff. It was these religious leaders and they absolutely loved it. And so Jesus has given a very, very strong warning to watch out for these guys. Don't be like that. And the same message stands for us today. I want to confirm that what Jesus is not saying is that no one is worthy of honor. I know I've heard some people kind of a twist this a wee bit and go like, we're not supposed to uh, look up to leaders or whatever, for example. That's actually not what it's saying. People are, of course, worthy of honor. But the point is that these people use their positions for their own benefit. 
These people used the positions for their own good, not to bless others, not to help others, but it was to fill their own pocket. It was to get themselves good seats. It was to get the praise and adulation of other people. They weren't using their position to bless others. So Jesus says to watch out for them. He says it really, really, really strongly. He actually says they devour widows' houses. I ain't never seen a man eat a house. I wonder, probably somebody could, I don't know. But it's a strong word, man. They devour widows' houses. See, widows were really easy to take advantage of. We covered this uh, when, when we looked at this passage a few weeks ago. Back in, back in these times, women didn't really have any rights. They didn't really have any say in anything. The guys done everything. The guys ran everything. The guys held the money. The guys done all of that stuff. So all of a sudden, a husband dies and the widow's left with everything. She's a really easy target for these religious leaders to come in and say, oh, your husband would have gave that to church or your husband would have gave that to the treasury. And then they're given money that they don't have and, and they're, they're literally being uh, devoured. And Jesus has a massive problem with anyone who takes advantage of anyone else, particularly religious leaders who are supposed to be looking after people. Well, it's really interesting, right? And this is a message for a whole ton of situations. It says that they will receive the greater condemnation. So, so often in life we can get wronged and we want to get one back. And something happens to us that's not right. And our desire is, ah, I'm going to like revenge or retribution and that. This is, there's so many verses in the Bible, but this is another one that says, look, man, we just need to leave that to God. It's God who, every, at the end of the day, all of us are going to stand and give an account before God. We don't need to take retribution for ourselves. We don't need to be taking revenge for ourselves. We just, if, if we've been wronged or hurt or anything, guys, let's we just leave it to God and we focus on what we're supposed to be doing. We focus on loving. We focus on being the people that we're called to be. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's a little bit of background. So what happened is loads of rich people put in large sums. I'd love some of that, by the way. Just saying, that would be okay. But big trumpets and lots of noise, right? So at the temple back then, there was these big brass trumpet-like things that were attached to the building of the treasury. And, that, and that's what people would do. So I don't have a large trumpet, but I've got a donation box, right? So, see, these, these trumpets are attached to the buildings. Okay. And these people, they don't have paper back then because there's no, so everything's in coins. I'm dropping it already. So the people come, the, the, the rich people, and they drop in, their, they drop their money in. And it makes a whole lot of noise. I can't even, right? Just bags of money making all sorts of noise. So everyone knows like that's a rich person putting in loads of money. So that, like it's a bit of a scene, it's a bit of a show, it's a bit of like, you know, all of that. And then this widow comes along and she's got two small coins that make a penny. Two tiny little coins. And she comes along in contrast and she drops it in. You can hardly even hear it. Total contrast to the rich people that are doing what they're doing. Now, these coins were worth almost nothing. Uh, Mark says that it was, they were called lepta, which is 1 64th of a denarius. A denarius, it was a day's wage for a laborer or a Roman soldier, someone in the army, it was a day's wage. So 1 64th of a day's wage is what this widow was able to put in the treasury. Now, 
love, I love all the wee kind of side bits of the Bible. I love the fact that Mark actually pointed out what a lepter was because that was a coin that was only used in Jerusalem and wasn't used anywhere else in the Roman Empire. We know that Mark was writing this book to a Gentile audience, predominantly an audience in Rome, and they wouldn't have known what a lepter was. So although Mark was just trying to tell them some significant information, what it does for us now, 2,000 years later, is like a whole ton of other things in Mark. It gives us actual, factual, historical, geographical evidence that was legit, which actually just firms up the authenticity of the Bible. It's an authentic book. It's a real, authentic, historical document of truth. Um, it also happens to be a book of life. And I love that. Mark probably wasn't even meaning that, but years later, we've got all these evidences of truth throughout it. So this widow's gift was really significant. It was, it was, it was recorded in Scripture. See, a normal person watching this, when they're seeing all them big loads of money getting fired in these trumpets, and then they see the widow putting in her two pence, they probably just write that off as an irrelevance. The religious leaders would have wrote it off as an irrelevance, the money wasn't really able to do anything. The woman herself probably passed off her gift as irrelevant. She was probably kind of ashamed of it. I don't, I don't know how you would feel. I would be a bit like that. If everyone was able to drop in, like make a noise, and I wasn't, I'd be, I would be ashamed of it. I'd feel a little bit on, like, I wouldn't want people to be looking at me. I reckon she'd have been full of insecurities that she had nothing to give to God. And that's how I would feel if I was in the same situation. But actually what she did was make the most famous donation in the history of the world. More famous than your Bill Gates and all these people that give away all the money. More famous than these YouTube guys that make a YouTube channel famous by giving money away. This was more famous. We literally get the phrase, our two cents worth from this act. It's like, the most famous donation in the history of mankind. And it was famous because this widow gave everything that she had. The rich people gave to God what they could spare, but this woman didn't have anything to spare. So she gave everything she had. And so Jesus sees us and he calls the guys in. He's like, right guys, come here, come here, hurry up, come here, I wanna tell you something. I wanna tell you something amazing about this woman. And then he says, it, the, the scripture says, uh, he says, truly I say to you, in the old King James English, it means verily, verily, I say to you, the, the word that was used in Greek was amen, lego, which really in Glaswegian means, here lads, check this right out. This is really important. So Jesus called him, lads, lads, come here. Crazy important, this is amazing. This, you need to listen to this, it's really, really important. You receive what I'm going to say. It says, this widow, where is it, uh, verse uh, 43, truly I say to you, this poor widow who's put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. It, it didn't say this widow's put in more than anyone else. It said this widow's put in more than everyone else put together. That's quite amazing, more than all. And the disciples must have been a little bit like, what? How on earth? And how, I mean, how is two small coins worth more than the thousands in today's money that's already been put into it? How, how is that even possible? You can just kind of, you can feel them scratching their heads and wondering what's going on. But it shows us really importantly, like God isn't actually impressed with the size of stuff. 
He's not impressed with the size of our gifts. I don't think he's impressed with the size of our churches. I don't think he's impressed with the size of our properties. He's, he's, he's only looking for this. For those listening to the podcast, I just pointed at my heart. <laughs> he's only interested in our hearts. He sees things for what they truly are. He doesn't see things for the show. He doesn't see things for the aesthetics. He sees things for the heart. How is this woman's gift more, worth more than everything else? Well, two pence out of two pence is 100%. But 10 quid out of 100 is only 10%. 100 out of 1,000 is only 10%. It says, she gave out of her poverty and put everything she had, all that she had to live on. The Greek word that's used for everything is bios, which is the word that we get biology from. This woman was literally putting in her substance, everything that she needed to live off. She put in the, the, the money that she needed to sustain her life. It's all she had to buy bread or soup or whatever. Everything she had to sustain herself, she puts in. That's sacrificial giving right there, isn't it? And in truth, there's a lot of people in church who struggle to give anything at all. For example, many of us could afford to tithe, but we don't. I'll maybe cover that a little bit later on. This passage tells us that it's not what we give that's important, it's what it costs us. Is there faith in my giving? When I'm giving, am I, am I giving and I'm, and I'm trusting God to provide? I'm, I'm trusting God to sustain me. I'm trusting God to give me everything that I need. Or am I holding back saying I'm trusting myself, I'm trusting my bank account, I'm trusting what I've got. This lady is saying, this old widow is saying, she's putting that in, she's like, I'm trusting God for my food tonight. I'm trusting God, somebody's going to give me a soup or give me bread or make me a meal or Something's going to happen, but she's putting herself in a position where something's got to happen. God's got to come through because she's been honest. I don't think as Christians we put ourselves in positions enough where God has to come through. There's loads of, if we read through the Bible, not just about giving, there's just loads of situations like getting chucked in a lion's den or chucked in a fiery furnace or all sorts of stuff where God just has to come through. And the greatest miracles, uh, like uh, the, the, the altar that uh, get, get burnt up with all the bulls in it, and like, there's just so many miracles that happen because people put themselves in situations where God had to come through. This woman has given everything her substance and saying, I'm trusting God to provide. If he can feed the birds, if he can feed the wild animals, if he can clothe them, he can clothe me. And he can feed me. Crazy faith in it. And I absolutely love it. She gave everything. She gave her substance. She didn't just give her cost of coffee money. She didn't just give her holiday money. She didn't just give her nicer car money, not her bottle of wine on a Friday night movie or her Chinese meal money or her Netflix or her Disney Plus money. She wasn't just giving up that stuff. She said, I'm certainly not talking about the money she had over and above those things. It's her very substance, the money that she could have used to buy a slice of bread. And she's given it up for God. That's actually biblical giving. It's in here for a reason. She gave everything. And I think to myself, like, my goodness me, if we could get a hold of that, we'd buy that building debt-free next week, probably. That's the truth of the matter. If we could get a hold of what this really means, 
And what I love is, right, is that this woman's given out of her poverty has blessed generation after generation after generation. Here we are 2,000 years later reading about it and being encouraged from it. And I believe that we as a church are in a position where over the next while, uh, whether it's the building up the road or another building or whatever, our giving to, to this house, to this ministry, is going to bless generation after generation after generation in this community as we are providing a place for people to come, as we're providing a seat for folk, as we're providing ministries for folk, as we're loving people. Our giving will bless generation after generation, I believe. Man, I would love it if our giving still had an impact 2,000 years from now. Saying that Jesus might come back before then, but I'm up for that, come on. Right? Now, you might not be in a place where you can purchase that building for us. If you are, please come speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all able to give what we have. We're all able to give what we have. And we are so thankful as a church for everything that gets given to the church. We really are. But I would love to see us have the faith that this widow placed in God. I'd just love to see it. That we would give our last everything to the kingdom in total faith and trust that God provides us with everything. And that God is going to carry us through. I think, I genuinely believe if more of us got a biblical understanding of, of giving and truly trusted God to not not even give generous, generously, but just obediently and sacrificially, then we would be able to do so much more than what we're able to do at the moment. The Bible talks about tithing. I was, I was a Christian uh, nearly 20 years when I heard the word for the first time because us Scots are so scared about talking about money, we just don't talk about stuff. So all of a sudden I get married to this girl who didn't grow up in Scotland and she's going, she says to me about tithing. I was like, you what? Uh, yeah, yeah, the Bible talks about giving 10%, our first fruits, giving 10% of what, what we earn to God. I'm like, you're having a laugh, aren't you? But actually, it does say that. I didn't believe her. But she was, she was better than me. It does say that. Now, I don't think it's a legal requirement for Christians to tithe. I, of course, we're under a new covenant now. I get all of that. But I absolutely think it's a biblical practice that we probably should be doing. In fact, definitely should be doing. And one that I believe in. And one that I've made an absolute staple in my life. In fact, when we think about the number of verses in giving and when we think about the words where your treasure is there, your heart is also, then I think that giving 10% probably for me certainly should be the very least that we're doing. So if you look at what this church has been able to achieve in the last number of years, the, the extreme growth rate we've seen in the, the number of staff and things we've been, we've been able to add, we've been able to do all of this with is actually, we reckon about 10% of our church actually tithe, 10%. There's a lot more people who give. But in terms of actual tithing, that 10% every month, you're looking at about 10%. And again, we're crazy thankful for everything that people give. People give offerings, and it's brilliant. But see, if a church of 200 people tithed, with average salaries, with the fact that some people earn more, some people earn less, some people are retired, some are students, but some are big jobs and all of that sort of stuff. You're probably talking about a church of 200 folk tithing, about 40 grand a month, which would make a serious impact on a community. Serious impact. It's not about like leaders or whatever having big wages, by the way. It would never be about that, but we can, we can impact our community with more resources. Look at what we've been able to achieve. We, we probably bring in about 25% of that figure every month and look what we've been able to achieve. 
We're able to achieve things when we resource things. Now, I know people may be uncomfortable with me talking about this because we're Scottish. I'm probably a little bit uncomfortable talking about it because I'm Scottish. Uh, but I've been really challenged by it. Like, I'm reading it. I'm, I'm preparing for this. And I've been, I've been heavily, heavily, heavily challenged by, by, by this message this week. I don't want to go into mega details, but I, I, wanna, I, just, I just want to share about what God's challenged me in, and I hope this is taken in the, in the right way. I, I have... Uh, I've got I've got a couple of businesses, uh, uh, you know, and uh, one 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 of them is a charity which you know about uh, makes a really good impact in the community, and the other ones are we one that I started to provide for my retirement because I realised I don't have a degree, I've not had a normal job, I've kind of just potted about life doing whatever I felt God called me to do, and I had the realisation a couple of years ago that I don't have a pension and I don't want to be a poor old man that can't afford bread, right? So we started a wee a wee business and, and it's been doing well. God's really blessed us. And so every month we, we're, we're able to put away a significant amount towards securing my retirement. You've all heard me say I'm going to retire when I'm 60. Still planning doing that, right? Because you need somebody younger at that stage, right? But I'm like, but I've been, I've been putting a reasonable amount of money aside every month to make sure that I can retire at 60 and have the same standard of life that I have now. That's, that's kind of what I've been wanting to do, rightly or, or, or wrongly, right? And, uh, and this week, God has challenged me and said to me that I have to put that money towards a new building and not to keep it for my retirement because my retirement's in his hands and not in my hands. Um, and I have to trust him in that. And, and see, to be perfectly honest, right? That's not even an everything sacrifice on my part because that's easier for me to do than it is for someone else to maybe give £10 a month because like I'm not touching the money anyway. It's going aside for the future. And, I, and I'm going like, why would I be building for my future when there's, a, when there's a need in the kingdom of God right now? I've just been totally challenged by it. Like it's not, it's not even a big sacrifice for me to make. And by the way, I'm not saying that to put folks under pressure to give their retirements up before anyone goes out here and talks nonsense about me. <laughs> Dave's told us all we have to give retirement money up. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying I've been challenged. Like I've been challenged in my life that I've got to do something. I've given, by, I've given can't be compelled by leaders. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, each man shall give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. So I never want anyone to give because I've said something. We give what we feel led in our hearts to give. What I feel led is that I can't be storing up money for the future when we, when we need, desperately need space and seats for people. So my call is that I've got to do something by this. I've just been challenged by this. And I do give like, I, 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 give, I give quite a lot to the kingdom. I probably sacrifice like a new car and holidays and stuff. And I sacrifice a lot in terms of time and finance for the community through my charity business and all of that stuff, which I believe is kingdom. But... But even at that, like we can get into a place where we're quite comfortable with what we're given and we feel quite good about ourselves, we can. I've felt quite good about myself at the amount I give. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I probably felt quite good about, like I give a lot and I feel quite good about it. But it's actually not about us feeling good. It's about, it, it, that, that's not why we give. We don't give to feel good. Do you know what I mean? We, we, we give for bigger purposes than that. And despite what I give, I've been challenged by reading this and I'm going, I'm actually able to sacrifice more than I am. That's the realization I've come to this week. My offering is not an everything offering like this widow's was. I have, believe I've made an everything offering in the past in order for me and Ella to start the charity that we started. We had to sell our house 
and like resource everything into starting something. And God's crazy, crazy blessed that. Uh, I might touch on that in, 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 in a wee bit. God's crazy blessed it, but given like given everything and offerings to God, like everything in, in our Christian life, nothing's a one-time deal. We need to be constantly growing and constantly giving and constantly submitting and constantly trusting God. I want I want to have a lifestyle of generosity and a lifestyle of giving, and I believe if as a church we can catch a hold of that, we're going to see incredible things. And I think I've just realized like I'm not really there at the moment. I can afford to give what I give, but this widow couldn't. And Jesus saw and he was moved. He was moved enough to call his guys over and use this woman as an example. And I think, man, I want to be an example for Jesus. I would love my heart to touch Jesus. I would love my faith to move Jesus, that he would use me as an example. I would love that. And you know what? The truth is, to be honest, and I want to be honest with you, I want to give glory to God. I've found over the past number of years that I just cannot outgive God. I just can't do it. It's like, regardless of what I give in sacrifice, I, I get better off. I'm not one of these crazy prosperity preachers, by the way. I'm just saying the more I give, the wealthier I get. It's really weird. It's bizarre. The, the blessings that God's given me are mind blowing I, I, I can't I can't get my head around it now to be really really clear I'm not loaded so don't everyone come try to tap off me I'm not right I'm not loaded I live a modest lifestyle I don't I don't drive a new car I don't go on expensive holidays although I'm going on a family one next year finally because they all pressured me it's their fault and it's not my fault right um that's like I need to invest in family time as well I understand that like I don't have spare cash, I still have to budget every month when a big bill comes in, I need to find a way of paying it. Like I, I, I'm not saying I'm not rich, I'm just saying I've realized and it's factual and it's actual testimony that the more I give, the more God gives me, the more I give away and the more I get coming back. And it doesn't make any sense. I've ju I'm just telling you that's what I've witnessed in my life, which is how in a few short years I've probably managed to, to secure a pension, which I'm now going to give a lot of away. Come on. Right, but it's only because God's given it. I've, I, 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 you know, I'll never be loaded because I've realized a long time ago that my money doesn't belong to me and I, and I want to give away. But I just know that when we give away, God gives an increase. When we sow into something, God gives an increase. We sold our house to start a charity eight years ago, ten years ago, ten, eight years ago. And now, that charity is a ministry, man, right? We're helping people, we're blessing folk on the name of Jesus, really, right? We, because we're in schools, we can't be as up, up in your face about it as you want, but make no mistake, that charity is a ministry. It started as a, as a ministry and it started because God told us to do it and we sold our house into it. And because of the blessing of God and the increase of God, just this year, we've been able to pour over one million pound into the mental health of young people in this area. And over the past eight years, it's all glory to God. In the past eight years, we've sown about 45 million into the, the young people in, in, in Scotland, all from giving an everything offering of our house 10 years ago. That's what God can do. We can't outgive God. No, I could either have that ridiculous blessing of knowing what God's doing and, and helping literally hundreds, thousands of young people every month, or I could be one of these fairly wealthy folk that's mortgage-free with a nice flashy car and three holidays a year, but I've just come to realize that eternity and other people's eternity is more important than having nice things. I've just come to realize that. 
in, in, in my life and, and, and I've learned through this study that and what God's been saying to me about the building that's coming up is that I actually, I'm, I'm just not even giving enough. I'm able to give more than I am. And so I feel challenged to give up that bit more. And I, I, I just want to do that. And again, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I don't want anyone to misinterpret me the wrong way. I actually can't stand prosperity preaching. I can't stand people to say, who say, if you're in debt, give 250 quid that you don't have and God's going to bless you. I just, I just don't believe that. But I believe when we sow God, that's an increase. I believe that. I believe God provides for me when I give to him what I don't have. I believe that when I take steps of faith, God, God honors it every time. I, I, I believe God can do that. And, and, and a lot of the time, the, the ways he blesses us are not even financial. I've not always had back financially when I've given, but, but again, my genuine testimony is over the last four years, God's given me, me way more than I've given. Like it's, it blows my mind. I just don't understand it. He's been so good to me. And I started off as a, as a younger man when, when, when this 10% tithe landed in my heart. I started off being absolutely solid in that 10% that I believe the Bible encourages to give. And the Bible says that if we give 10% and the floodgates of heaven will be truly opened and there won't be enough room to contain the blessing. And I can testify to that in my own life. There's no been enough room to control the blessing. I've always given that 10%. I mean, I get asked by other people or whatever, you know, even other leaders, other churches, like, what do you think is the number one most important thing in the life of a Christian? Like, for me, it's given because that's been what more transformational in my life other than salvation than anything else is understanding what true biblical giving is. And, if, if, and that's, a, that's a stance point. Then the floodgates of heaven have opened up on my life and I've been able to sow so much more than that into church and into community over the years. The bit before it says, each man should give what is decided in his heart in 2 Corinthians. It says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I can testify to that. And a whole lot of other folk can testify to that. I want us to be a church that so generously. Because if we're a church that so generously, we will reap generously. We will. If we're a church that so sparingly, we'll receive sparingly. I don't want to be a sparingly church. I want to be a generous church. Are you with me? This widow was all in. And I want to be all in. And I want us as a church to be all in. That's what I want. Can I get the band back up? This widow also teaches us something that's really, really important. And this, this is important, uh, an important lesson with regards to money and an important lesson to do with everything else is that all of us have got something to give. We've all got value. We've all got the ability to bless the Lord with what, we've have, with, with what we have whether that be finance, whether that be time, whether that be talents, whether that be uh, serving in the church, we've all got value. So, so many people can go, I don't have what that guy's got, therefore I can't give. I don't have the talents that that person's got, therefore I can't serve in church. I don't have this, therefore I can't do. We've all got something to give to the kingdom. We've all got finance to sow into the kingdom and we all have gifts and abilities and talents and time that we can pour in. We've all got value. We all have the ability to bless God with what we have. This widow was poor, and yet she gave. She had nothing to give, and yet everything she did have, she did give. And so many of us feel like we've got nothing to give, nothing to contribute, 
but we simply need to give to God what we have, understanding that he sees it and it is him who adds the increase. Think about that wee lad that went and gave Jesus a loaf and two fishes. Sorry, two. Aye. When they're feeding the 5,000. And Jesus takes insignificant. This kid didn't have enough to feed everybody. But he gave Jesus what he had. Jesus added the increase and 5,000 men plus women and children get fed that day. Jesus can take what we have and turn it into something incredible. Thanks for listening to the Home Church Scotland podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, feel free to get in touch with me. My email is dave at homechurch.scot.com.